Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello and welcome. I'm Ken Rundle and I'm talking phosphate and potash this time with Mark Tucker, Yara's head of agronomy. When planning any cropping program these days, farmers must always be prepared for volatility. And just now, what's on our mind is price volatility on the fertiliser markets, with recent price hikes raising various important questions. Mark, perhaps we can start by reflecting on why prices have risen and to what extent. The last time we saw these sort of price rises was back in the sort of 2007-8 period, and it's effectively happening across all nutrients. Um, whether it's nitrogen, phosphate, potassium, um, but some slightly more than others. But we are looking at rises that not quite doubling for some, but certainly getting up towards that way. And um, why is it happening? Then I guess that's the big question. What's the background to it? Then it's in some ways a perfect storm of events, not perfect for the farmer, of course. Um, but this scenario where we've got increasing energy prices um gas is three times what it was 12 months ago um and we know at the pumps ourselves how energy's gone up so we've got that as a background to which represents um a, com- a large component of fertilizer production and then of course we've got the fact that commodities i.e the crops that farmers grow have gone up over the last months And whenever that happens, then naturally farmers take the opportunity to plant more of those crops. So that inherently then builds a level of demand into the market for nutrients. And then you get classic sort of economics coming into play where supply and demand drives the prices upwards. And of course, finally, political events that are happening around the world. We've got um, examples where Belarus are the large potash suppliers into Europe and across the world. And of course, there's sanctions going in um, to that country or on that country. So that, again, is adding issues into the supply and demand. So this sort of coming together of political, um, economic um, events, which have driven the price to where it is today. What you seem to be suggesting is that all these high prices are going to continue. It's difficult to see anything that sort of suggests that they're going to suddenly reverse in the sense that the crop prices are still good the political scenarios are still at play so there's very little and the the sort of energy price is still high so there's nothing in the immediate future which would suggest they're suddenly going to take a downward spiral Um, So, yeah, I think they're sort of in the short term, probably here to stay. Well, looking at how to deal with that, I suppose there's no suggestion of just missing applications, is there? These are key nutrients. They are. And I think that's that's one of the things we need to really sort of consider that there are there's bound to be some that will look at missing out applications. Um, just because of the prices that they're facing. And I think the important thing is then really to just go back to first principles and think about the importance of those nutrients in terms of what you're trying to achieve, and that's high yields of the crops, good quality. Um, so it's they need to be really thought through in terms of any decisions around missing out, reducing applications, etc. So you can miss quite a bit of yield by just cutting back on certain applications? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think when, when we look at the data, we've got sort of classic example of phosphate and potassium. And, and that's probably the one that we hear most about. And we see is the PK holiday, which is referred to where farmers decide to take a holiday, if you like, from applications of those nutrients. Um, but when we look at the data in terms, of, in terms of what sort of underpins sort of yield resilience and brings that consistent yield that we get each year, and that's largely the good soil index that we've built over the years. And research has shown that whether it's um, work across in Europe or the UK, then we get we can attribute anywhere from 0.65 up to two tonnes per hectare of wheat towards or that built-in fertility that we've got by investing in those nutrients so really then it's about thinking where you are um, in terms of the soil status etc so you need to know the nutrient status of your soil it's a not yeah. uh, and that in itself uh, is unique because it's not a, a case of one strategy fits all is it no it isn't and i think you know this is there's really is the ideal time where you just need to check your farm check your fields look at the data that you've got attached to each field and how new that data is how recent when did you last do a soil test um, and what was that soil test when you when you last did it might jog you to go and do some more soil testing just to see where you are in terms of that soil index and of course depending on how many samples you take in any one field then you'll um, get the average and if that average is dropping below two or on that sort of borderline shoulder of the the uh, critical value where you've got creeping up from index one into index twos then you know that you're on a little bit of a, a risk curve there which as we start to drop below that index two and into ones then that's where we can see sudden drop off in yield so really being um, manage the data in terms of getting soil analysis, getting the index, and then utilising it as part of the decision making. It's a risk analysis, is what you're talking about. Mm, absolutely. But just to clarify, there's no change to Yara's advice regarding applications of, of phosphate. It's the spring and not the autumn we're talking about. Yeah, we will continue with that advice. The slight change to the advice is is almost how much. Um, you invest in them in the sense it, it probably isn't the year to be putting a huge amount of P and K on trying to suddenly change an index unless you're really very, very low. So I think that the advice would be to really think about the quantity and the timing of that to get the most out of it. So as you say, you know, our advice has always been that we get a response to that P and K application with a fresh application in the spring, just as the crops that are wanting to start to grow in February, March, as soils warm up, that's when you need to drive that P and K into the program. Crops will then pick it up and continue their spring growth as opposed to the autumn timing where, uh, yeah, soils are colder, they're wetter, crops are going into a level of dormancy as they sort of hit the winter months. Um, so very little uptake. And then you have that risk of the nutrients that you've applied not being available when it comes around to that spring um, requirement by the crop. Just before we move on, I know that soil pH can influence the behaviour of phosphate and its availability. Likewise, I suppose those with access to farmyard manures and slurries can use those to advantage. So what's your take on lime and dung in this this particular equation? 
Yeah, the the liming one is really uh, the the sort of first action to think about is in the sense that we know that really that optimum pH for nutrient. Um, availability in the soil and that's the real key you know the, you can have plenty of nutrient in the soil but if it's not available and that's not um, particularly useful for the crop so yeah again check the ph if you can get it towards that 6.4 level and uh, at that point you can really see that your nutrient availability and particularly phosphate will be at its optimum um, in terms of the dung then again this is the time when nutrients in waste materials dungs straw anything like that obviously is valued higher than it normally would be so um, getting the most out of those putting them on the right fields that are going to benefit the most from them and the organic content now as we know becoming ever more important in terms of building again a level of organic material and soil fertility then nothing new here and the work 30 plus years ago showed that if we build our organic matter in the soil then we build a better holding capacity of nutrients the nutrients that are on that organic matter are also much more available to the crop um, than when they're sort of tied and locked into a sort of more mineral fraction of the soil so yeah there's some really key things to think about when it comes to um, ph dung etc including the sums about whether or not straw being sold off to the livestock mm -hmm. man is going to earn more than chopped up and used to improve your soil fertility Yes, it will be a, a question that we get asked again in terms of the value. And yeah, if the farm is exporting straw um, by baling it and selling it, then obviously they're exporting some nutrients. So and that has a value. So it all comes into the equation of um, yeah, what the value of that straw is in terms of uh, sending it away from the farm. Well, let's look some more at other strategies farmers can use. And I suppose they needn't all be solely focused on the nutrient side of the story. Uh, if costs are going to go up, some others can come down uh, using compounds rather than the straights. Yes, and I think this is, you know, again, if we're looking at the sort of equation around cost per hectare, which is really what it's about, then that has two elements to it. You know, we've, yes, we're seeing the cost of nutrients themselves going up. Um, but of course, energy, time, labour all have a value as well. And that's where adding more and more applications of um, the nutrients, if you decide to go down using straights or just a standard um, 0 24 type, type compound, invariably that builds in an extra one or two passes, which come at a cost. So that needs to be borne into account and is certainly worth considering how you can mitigate the cost per hectare by looking to reduce that number of passes across the field and, and in the crop. And there's a range of products for that. Yeah, I mean, that's when you can really just look at, see what's, what's available, but um, we can use NPKS products, which are the four nutrients all in the one um, granule or prill there. So not only you're getting all the nutrients in one application, so you're saving a pass. Clearly, with that approach, you're also getting that evenness of nutrient application that comes with a, a uniform compound product. And you can then use ones that have perhaps got slightly higher P and K in with one application with that first nitrogen dressing. Or you can choose to go down the route where you use one product um, as an NPKS right through the program. So applying that on three occasions if it's a classic sort of cereal crop or wheat crop um, it will then supply the right nitrogen that you put on in addition it's going to get that pk and s on with those three passes as well 
the two products there that we typically look for in the brand um, from the Yara side is that Yara Miele brand. So that tells you it's a compound product containing multiple nutrients. Um, 52S and extra grass are two that are really worth looking at at the moment. There's when we do the sums, they're 30, 40 pound a hectare um, saving to be had um, by going down that route as opposed to using either classic sort of 02424 or, or straights um, route of application. Right. So, sum up then, what are the key points to consider as far as you're concerned, the bullet points, the things to remember off the back of this podcast? I think first and foremost, it is just to bear in mind that um, the value of sort of that inherent fertility that you've built over the years to index two, then just, yeah, that does have a, a value and that can be in the order of two tons a hectare of wheat. So at the moment we're sort of 340 pounds a hectare. So you want to keep that value there and don't sort of erode what you've been doing over the years by sudden um, holidays from P&K applications. So really do think about the value you've built up there and what that represents in the crop in any one year. Secondly, then really do find out where you are in terms of nutrient status. So get that sort of most recent analysis or do some new analysis just to look at where you are to understand what the soil index is because if you've got a, a really generous supply then we know that that's um you're, you're not introducing as much risk and then finally i would say yeah just think about that different approach where we've got multiple nutrients in one product that can go on in that spring timing and with that you're going to really just get that an additional third of a ton of hectare that we see when we go down that spring application route some good and timely advice there from Mark Tucker, Yara's Head of Agronomy. Thanks very much. Next time, I'll be taking a closer look at potash and its role in cropping. Join me in a couple of weeks' time. In the meantime, for those working in the harvest, I wish you all the best. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.